Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Smith. No matter what goal you're working towards, I hope to show you that Chasing Health does not have to be a difficult or scary ordeal. Join me and my guests as we talk about all things related to becoming a best version of yourself, whether that's through nutrition, fitness, mindset, or life topics in general, we've got you covered. All right, let's not waste any more time and dive right into the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Coach's Roundtable. What's up, man? What's going on? Not much. Not much. Just got workout done today, getting some work done. And and broke your mic stand. Yeah, can we not talk about that? Now I have to hold this thing the entire time? Not fun. Yeah, that sucks. I don't know how you snapped it like that. That was impressive. Too strong now. Yeah, right. I wish that was the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Now my biggest hope is this, this... uh, cord cooperates because it doesn't like to be touched at all so we'll see how well it hangs in there but we got some good questions today um i think so uh last, last one with the cliffhanger last time yeah we said we we're going to talk about how to lose weight without tracking calories so i think let's just kind of like dive into that one first i think that's going to be a really good thing and um you know i, I think it's important to kind of set some preface beforehand so and i think you kind of get where i'm going out with that so yeah. just go and dive into that yeah so can you lose weight without tracking? It's a really common question we get. I don't want to track calories, blah, 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 whatever. Cool. You don't have to, but we we have to change our expectations. And, and I think a really, really easy way to look at this, that's um, a good real life example, is like you don't have to, if you're trying to save money, you don't have to check your bank account all the time. You don't have to track your finances, yep. but it's probably going to be a lot more precise. You're going to get there quicker. You're going to have better success if you track your finances diligently. Now it's going to allow you a little bit more freedom to go buy some of those things you want. Cause you're like, Hey, you know what? I'm staying within my budget still. I've set that budget. I can go buy that. I have a little bit of extra money to go spend on Amazon or go spend doing whatever you want to. And if you're not tracking your finances, it's probably easier for you to say, Hey, I'm just going to stay away from doing all that extra stuff. I'm not going to go buy that extra thing from Amazon. I'm not going to go buy a, a ticket to that concert or whatever it is. So you can get to your goal both ways, but we have to change our expectations. So I have most of my clients track because I want them to be able to build awareness and create food freedom and have the ability to say, Hey, you know what? I have a little bit extra in my budget. I want to spend it on that. Yeah. And, and that's really important to, I think, realize, and this is where guys like, and I, I think I have more clients who don't track compared to you. Yeah. Um, but I, anytime someone wants to have that talk, I I'm all for it and I will support you either way. But you better believe we're going to have that talk in the very beginning on expectations of what you're going to get out of it. Yeah, it's it's significantly harder when you don't know what your budget is. Um, and I, I think finance is a really good way to look at this. Yep. Like if you, if you set a budget, you set a calorie goal, you set a protein goal, you know exactly how much you have to spend to reach your goal. So you know where you can spend extra money on uh, what we'll call the fun things. Yep. Um, like a cookie or a piece of pizza or whatever. But if you don't track those things, if you have no idea where your finances are, be like, hey, I just know I need to save, then you're going to just not probably have that cookie. And that's okay. You're just going to focus more on, and I think this kind of diving into how to do it, you're going to focus on cutting some of those things out. You're going to focus on more whole foods. And I like to think of this, and I think you do the same way, is, is let's, let's look at um, how we can make this work by addition rather than subtraction. Mm-hmm. So instead of necessarily cutting things out, let's look instead on how we can add things into our life. So 
let's add more fruits and veggies, more whole foods, less protein, protein. Let's add all of these things um, that are going to help us lead to the healthy lifestyle. Let's add healthy habits. And that's going to help us again, save a little bit on our budget. If we're focusing more on those things, like most of the time we're focusing on whole foods, fruits, veggies, proteins, rather than like, where can we spend all of our money at? Yeah. And and that's the thing where I'm just like, and also like I, I have the expectations talk of like, you know, tracking is the most accurate way. We're going to get a lot more accuracy when we're tracking just because we know exactly what we're spending our calories on. We know how many calories we're having throughout the day. We know if we're in a deficit, if we're at, we, you know, once we figure out where your maintenance is at, we can make adjustments from there. Like we have to find out, you know, all those numbers before we actually start seeing some actual progress. But, and so, and so before I kind of talk a little more about what you said, I, I think it's just important to realize like, yes, you can lose weight without tracking calories, but you're leaving a lot of results up to chance. You don't know if you're exactly on track with your calories. You don't know if you're overeating, undereating, or eating at maintenance. I mean, like, yeah, you can probably make some good assumptions, and especially, and this is kind of, we'll talk about this like towards the end of this uh, topic, is, you know, eventually we get to intuitive eating, but you have to first know how to eat at calorie range X, Y, Z before you know what that actually looks like without tracking. Um, and so, uh, you know, kind of like going to, and I, I like what you said about focusing on addition rather than restriction. However, I will say, I think, you know, you have to realize if you want to start seeing some results, we do need to, and I, I'm not saying restrict all your favorite foods, but if we're still having a lot of processed foods, you know, highly processed, highly palatable foods, it's going to make it a lot harder to stay on track with things. Well, yeah. And especially if you don't know where your budget's at. Yes. So, and that, and that's where I think the conversation goes is if you're not going to track, then we're going to have a little bit more restriction in place. I feel and now restriction isn't always a bad thing. We're not talking about eating 1200 calories and do this. We're still going to have you fueling your body, but we're going to say, Hey, let's cut out processed foods. Let's do this X, Y, and Z because it's going to, that's how we're going to create a calorie deficit because whether you're tracking, whether you're doing keto, intermittent fasting, whole 30 paleo noom, or you're, you're not tracking everything you're doing. If your goal is weight loss is to create a calorie deficit, either directly or indirectly. So you're creating a calorie deficit by changing up the foods you're eating. So by eating more whole foods, you are indirectly causing a calorie deficit just by changing out the foods. It's harder to eat as many calories through whole foods, through those less calorie dense foods than it is through eating cookies or pizza that are a lot more calorie dense. Don't leave you as full. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, just think about it. how often do you overeat on chicken breasts or overeat on salads? Like, right. Like, like sure. Yeah. You, you uh, I te- challenge you to, it, 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 you could, yeah. but it's going to be a lot harder to yeah. now cookies or chips or things like that. You can overeat really quick, yeah. really easy with very little volume. I, I like that a lot. Like, could you overeat on chicken breast? Sure. <laughs> Are you probably going to do that? No. Or, or like a salad, like you can have a big ass fucking salad and it's not going to be that many calories. Yep. Um, even if it is a lot of calories, like you're going to be super full after that because you're eating a much more fiber rich meal. Um, it's going to take up a lot more volume in your stomach. So like there are ways to do it without tracking calories. You just have to set the expectations going forward of what you're going to do. And if you're someone who values. And I think this is a a really important part of the conversation. We have to look at what is important to you in your life. There are some people who it's, they want to lose weight. That is very important to them, but they also don't want to give up their life 
And I think if you're going to do that, tracking calories is really, really important because it allows you the ability to create that flexibility and create that freedom and have those things while still staying in your budget. Because at the end of the day, calories in versus calories out, that is the most basic sense of how fat loss works. There's obviously a lot more nuance that goes into it. But if you're in a calorie deficit, you're going to be losing weight. And we're not telling you to, to track calories. And if it fits your macros, it was super big mm-hmm. um, in like the early 2000s, mid 2000s um, or 2010s, whatever. Um, I don't know if that's how you say it or not, but the tens, I don't know. Yeah. 1910, whatever. You 18, know what we're talking 1810. about <laughs> <laughs> um, in the tens uh, or uh, if it fits your macros is really big and it was like, okay, how many pop tarts can I fit in my diet and still lose weight? And like you're going to lose weight, but you're probably going to feel pretty shitty. So like, we're definitely not telling you that way. We still, um, hold under like 80 to 85% whole foods, lean meats, fruits, veggies, the, the foods that people generally classify as healthy. We don't classify foods as healthy or unhealthy, but you know what we're talking about when we say those foods and then 20% of your foods can come from wherever. So like, that's that's where we push people to but it allows the ability to to create that freedom and flexibility in your life and if that's not something you value then great you don't have to track and you'll still probably make great progress yeah and again and you mentioned the 80 20 rule i think that's something where i talk about that with a lot of my clients and but if we are not going to track i like to lean more towards like 85 15 or 90 10 like exactly we have to tighten things up a little bit because at the end of the day like change requires sacrifice like how many times do we talk to people and, and and this is no shame on anybody like some people aren't ready for change and i understand that and i get it and i i, I, yeah, think I made it's a great post about ownership. this this week exactly it's okay not to change right now but you need to acknowledge that if you want to change you have to make some sort of sacrifice whether it's time money or effort of some different way like maybe it is cutting out a lot of the like processed foods or maybe we do tracks so we can have more of the processed foods either way it's gonna be a sacrifice but we can't do this all without a single bit of sacrifice or challenge yeah and i think i think my the actual quote from my post was like you're not willing to make sacrifices on your fitness journey like fat loss doesn't have to suck but it requires you to change some old habits and to form some new habits so like if you're not willing to do that you're not ready for fat loss so you you don't care enough right now and that's okay that's fine you just just be aware of that and and understand that but i think that what what you said there is 100 percent right yeah and also i think i deserve other you know before we just kind of wrap this first question up here and the thing is also important to mention like this is also if you're not tracking we need to also be make sure we're controlling all the other variables are you getting enough sleep are you recovering okay are you getting all your steps in you know really pushing that neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis because we've got to get that stuff up because again you're not going to have probably as much wiggle room with your calories so we need to try to manipulate other levers in that equation as well and i think one more important thing i promise i won't take too long on this one um cut me off after He's two lying. minutes of talking here um but when you plateau if you're not oh. tracking calories, it's hard to know exactly what you need to change. If you're tracking calories and you plateau and you're truly at a plateau, it's not been three days and you haven't lost weight. If it's been two or three weeks and you haven't lost any more weight and biofeedback hasn't changed, measurements, pictures, nothing's changed, well, then we can adjust calorie intake and we know, okay, that's going to force more fat loss. We're now in a calorie deficit again. But if we're plateauing and we're not tracking, well, then it's like, okay, well, we have to cut that out. It, it just becomes a little bit easier. Again, you're just leaving more things up to chance. 
And this is why I think it's always really important, you know, and again, we're, I, we keep going further on this question, but I think it's important. To I know also, I lied. I got one more point. Well, I think it's important to, you know, this is why if we ever want to intuitively eat, we need to learn how to track first. Like, I think everyone should learn how to track at least one point in their life. I'm not saying you have to track forever, but even like with any client that starts with our starts with us, they're tracking at least the first week. And what, this kind of goes on my point too is I think a lot of people view tracking as really hard, restrictive. It's not and like, at all. It is if you do it the wrong way. And I yes, think so many people do true. it the wrong way. But there is a le- just like with anything else in life, there's a learning curve to it. For the mm-hmm. first two or three weeks, you're going to be like, okay, well, how do I do this? But then it becomes really easy, just second nature. It literally takes max, an absolute hard max, five minutes extra anytime you eat. And that is significant. That is if you have never used a phone in your life. Yes and no. I I, I do want to just, there are some people when they first start, when they're just learning the app that it can take a little bit longer. What I said, the first two or three weeks, it's going to take more time. There's a learning curve to it. But after that, it becomes second nature. It is, unless you are doing something wrong, it shouldn't take you more than five minutes to track your food. And that's track as you go. Or I encourage pre-tracking and pre-logging. Yeah. Like I think it's one of the best tips and tricks. And I actually had a conversation with one of my clients because she said, you know, she's like, I just get busy or distracted and I don't think about tracking throughout the day. I'm like, cool. Like let's start pre-tracking either the night before or the morning of plan ahead. And I'm not saying you have to stick to it because who knows? You may say, Hey, we're having hamburgers tonight and tonight comes and you're like, Hey, actually we're going to have tacos instead. Cool. You can switch it out. You may have to change up some portions and things like that, but you can make it work. But having some sort of idea of what you're going to eat throughout the day and you already know, it's like, I compare, I, I love using the analogy of a take home test because basically you get to, you know, think about back in school, you take home the test, you get to fill it all out. You'd look up all the answers and then you get to turn it in knowing you get hundred percent basically. Whereas with tracking and pre-tracking, you get to put everything in, finagle things around. Oh, I need to bump my, you know, bump the potatoes down here or, you know, raise the carbs up here. Or, hey, maybe I need a little more oil or fats here. Uh, maybe I need a little more protein with this meal. You know, you can play around and you, all these things before you actually eat them. And then you're like, all right, cool. Now all you have to do is just eat that stuff that day. And again, you can change it, but it allows you to have so much more flexibility and not to stress stuff throughout the day. I know I said I wasn't going to make another point, but I, I, I knew he wasn't point. done. Um, I think one one tip that I will give you if you are not tracking is eat the same stuff very consistently. Yes. Um, if you're eating the same stuff very consistently, it's really easy to be like, okay, well, I've been eating chicken and potatoes and a veggie or whatever for this meal. Like, okay, we're going to, if you plateaued, we're going to cut back a little bit on the potatoes here or like, Hey, let's add in a little, we're, we're still not getting enough protein and let's add a little bit more chicken to this meal. Um, so if you're someone who, who doesn't like to eat the same thing all the time, tracking's probably going to allow a little bit more flexibility in you to create that stuff, but still find a handful of options that you really enjoy and cycle through them. Yeah. I always say like pick, it doesn't have to be even a small, it can be like 10, 15 things that you really enjoy that basically you're having once or twice a month. And then you can still have the the random meal that you're like, you know what? I'm actually craving this that I haven't had in six months. All right, cool. Let's have it. But you know, for the most part, keep it simple. And also like another like little tip if people don't know, like once you start tracking my fitness pal, I mean, and all the apps I think do this, remember what you've had in your history. So, the first time, yes, you are got to find each ingredient. And that's part of building that database. Exactly. And once you have that, it has all that history in there. So then if you need that one pack of like 
you know, crackers that you love or whatever with your sandwich. Like you can easily find that by typing in the first couple letters and there it is. I pretty much don't type in anything new anymore. Maybe once a week I type in and find one thing new every single week because I eat eat consistent, the same things consistently. I just make my meals different. I change them up, add different things, whatever. But the bulk of my meals are all the same. Yeah. I manipulate flavors and that's what what we eat. Same things a lot of times and, you know, manipulating flavors over, over the actual thing itself. Like we can have chicken breasts multiple times a week, Mm -hmm. but one night it's with barbecue, one night it's with teriyaki, one night it's with lemon pepper seasoning, one night it's with, you know, whatever else. I mean, like we do it in different ways. And I think that is an entire another conversation for the first time in coaches roundtable history. I'm going to pull us back out of a tangent. Okay. To the second question. Okay. Yeah. I guess we are halfway through this. (laughs) All right. The second question um, came from somebody anonymous. I knew who um, uh, submitted it and glad she reached out. She said, how do I begin to do the inner work? I hear this everywhere lately, but where do I start? I know journaling is helpful, but are there specific journal prompts or areas to explore? Are there books to help this journey? I understand doing the inner work and it being an integral part of the process, but where do I start? I think sometimes I just need to get the direction on where to get started with this because I have no idea. I want to take a second and just... The position that Chase Chase and I are in right now is a really difficult one. We're doing this whole podcast, and Kitty is sitting here on the couch just looking absolutely adorable, and it's really hard not to get distracted. (laughs) So I would just like that noted in the show notes. Kitty is adorable (laughs) and very tired, apparently. Uh, But I'll let you start with that question. No, I So it really is going to come down to like, what are we trying to solve with this, right? Like, yeah, like inner work is such a, and and I know, and I'm bad about it. You're bad. I mean, we, we all, we all say, do the inner work, do the inner work, do the inner work. And you're right. Like, it's like, well, what the fuck is that? Well, like, okay. Let's, and, before we uh, go on with this, let's define inner work. Um, I, so inner work, um, the things we're talking about is relationship with food, binge eating, emotional eating, self-sabotage, mindset, consistency. Those are the things we're talking about inside of inner work. Yes. And so first we need to identify which of those things you just listed off is what you're actually struggling with. Maybe it's all of them. We're not going to tackle every single one of them at once. You know, a lot of times we'll hit on a lot of them just by doing a couple little things, but we need to figure out like what it is exactly you need to work on with this inner work. Then we can start figuring out strategies for that. Um, you know, if it's really relationship with food, it might be, you know, tracking can sometimes increase relationship with food. It can have its negative effects. Everyone's everyone's obsessive, but for the most part, it can also help as well. Um, you know, maybe it's journaling or meditation. You know, there's a lot of different things um, about that. And, you know, I'll let you expand on each of these as well in a minute, but like, I think it's important to, you know, try out journaling, try out meditation and, and realize guys, these aren't things that are going to be like super, super easy to like just pick up and do tomorrow. Like journaling, like I still struggle with journaling and meditation. I try, I mean, every once in a while I get back and kick into it, but like I still struggle myself sometimes with it. So do you want to elaborate a little more about the journaling and meditation piece? So I want to take this in another direction first. Okay. So I think the issue becomes when we say do the inner work, there's not a one size fits all approach, unfortunately. Oh, it's yeah, not sure. like we can say, hey, here's what exactly what you need to do. So I think there are overarching themes in all of these in relationship with food, binge eating, emotional eating, self-sabotage, consistency, identity, mindset. There are overarching themes and there's, there's a general like overarching way to overcome these things. But the issue becomes your relationship with food. You might struggle with binge eating just like the next person, but 
your perception, your struggles, your triggers, um, why you do it are all going to be different. So it, it really does come down to an individualized approach. And I know that sucks because it doesn't really give you a definite answer. And, and I hate that I can't give you a definite answer, but that's why, unfortunately, Chase and I have jobs is because those are the things that we do inside of one-on-one -on -one coaching with clients is, is take that individualized approach. Um, if you struggle with your identity, what inside of your identity are you struggling with? If you struggle with mindset, what specifically inside of mindset are you struggling with? So I think, and we both talk about this, the I, th I think a very similar way, where are the cracks in your foundation? Where are you, where are you mm -hmm. struggling? We first, the very first step is identify where you're struggling. What inner work do you need to do? Where are you struggling at and why build awareness around that? And then we can start to say, okay, you struggle with your relationship with food. You struggle with your identity and you struggle with your mindset. Mm -hmm. Cool. Let's attack and approach each one of those. Mm -hmm. Where inside of relationship with food do you specifically struggle? Because that is a very, very broad term. Very. There's so many things we can go into. Is it binge eating or is it emotional eating? Is it one of a million other things? And what's your perception of it? Because your perception, I'm sure every one of your clients has a different perception on why they struggle. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I, I think it's, like you said, it's, it's very individualized. I mean, however, I do want to make sure we give them a little bit of tactical advice of like getting started with their, um, in, in working on the inner work. And so like, you Did know, it say specifically what this person thought their inner work was that they needed to work. No, on they it? just, they just said that they, they hear about starting and doing and doing the inner work and okay. they just don't know like how to start that. Like, and she did mention journaling. And so I, I want to kind of touch on that a little bit. And this was something that actually, um, uh, I just had Ryan Chasm on the show, um, a couple, I think it came out last week. Um, and we talked about how to simplify journaling and, med and meditation. So definitely check that out. But I want to add on to that. Like journaling, like don't make it seem like it has to be harder than it is. Like when you're journaling, you can start with like one minute, you can start with one page, whatever it is, like start really, really small. And a lot of times people, you know, they go to sit down and, you know, I know you asked about journaling prompts and things like that, but like, you know, one of the a couple of things I like to just kind of start with in just general things is like, how did my day go? Or actually the easiest way to start is just a brain dump. That's my Every, favorite way. Everything that's inside of your head, just start writing. And you may be like, you may sit down and you're looking at this blank piece of paper and you're like, I have no clue what to write. I want you to start writing. And and if you say, well, I still don't know how to start writing, I want you to start writing. I was listening to this podcast with Brevin and Chase. They told me I need to start journaling. And that I, so now I'm sitting at the piece of paper. I don't know what to write. Like, I'm dead serious. Start writing all that. And I, I bet you eventually it'll flip into something else that you're currently working through. Talk about your day. Talk about what are you grateful for that happened that day? What went well? What are your wins from the day? I, I liked one of the questions we had from the uh, momentum building challenge is like, what do you need? Yes, exactly. I think you can take that in so many different directions. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people that, you know, because that was actually one that tripped up a lot of people. I'm like, you know, but what do you need? And that could be physical. That could be relationship. That could be mental, emotional. It could be multiple different things. It could be, I need more water. It could be, I need more nutritious foods. It could be, I need more love. I need a uh, more connections. I need more friendships. I need more um, kitty in my life. Um, <laughs> Everyone needs that. <laughs> um, whatever it may be. Um we can, you know, look at that in many different ways. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. And it, it really comes down to it with journaling. I feel like it's really hard for a lot of us to conceptualize when there's so many thoughts just bouncing around of our head. So we have all these thoughts bouncing around in our head and we like, okay, trying to grab onto one and just think about it when there's 50 other things going on in your head and you're stressed and have a lot of stuff 
in your life. So like getting it on paper, it allows you to take it from like a, a conceptual thought to a concrete thought on paper where it's like, it's a little bit easier to deal with, I think. Um, now again, this word just becomes an, I'm going to be the, it depends person today. Like it depends on what you're struggling with, what prompts we would give you. It depends on where you need, why you want to journal, why we think journaling would be good for you. Um, are you struggling with something that journaling will help with? And, and honestly, I think journaling is great for just about anybody, honestly. Yeah. And, and, you know, and especially one of the main things I have, the, one of the first signs that tells me someone needs to journal is if you are ever laying down in bed to go to sleep at night and you're just like, I have so many thoughts bouncing around inside of my head right now. And because think about it, guys, we are in a hustle culture world right now. Like we are go, 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 get up, get the kids ready for work, you know, get yourself ready or get the kids ready for school, get yourself ready for work, run it. You maybe you're running late. Maybe you're, you know, you're swinging through the um, Starbucks line. Maybe you're, you know, you're rushing into work, busy day all day. Boom, 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 boom. Text messages, emails, phone calls, people talking to you. It's so much stimuli throughout the day. You've never had a bit of silence. So, and even when you go home, like, you know, the kids are, you know, loud and rambunctious and they finally go to bed. And so you go to lay down to bed and you're like, all right, I'm going to bed. And then for the first time in, you know, since the time you get up, you have silence. And during the silence, it is really hard to shut your mind off because it's like, oh, now I have time to actually think about yeah, all I think this that's stuff. like the conceptual thoughts trying to grab onto those to like the concrete thoughts that you can see on. But it's easier when you can visualize them, I think and you're like, okay, here's a thought in my head. Like, oh my gosh, trying to catch that one thought when there's 50 million other ones. But like, if you can stare at it on a piece of paper, I, I think it becomes a lot easier to be like, okay, cool. I can deal with that. When, and even like planning ahead, like how many times do you lay down in bed and you're like, oh, this morning, this morning, this morning, this morning. And I know you make your to-do list a lot of times the night before. Yeah. And it, it just, it gets that out of you. Instead of thinking like, I have a billion things to do tomorrow, write that list out. You're like, okay, actually it's not that bad. All right, go to bed. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I think journaling can benefit everyone. Now, I, I have had people be like, okay, I've tried it and I just, I fucking hate it. And like, that's okay. I, I think give it a try. See if you like it. Give it a real chance. And if you don't like it, there's other ways. You can meditate, walk, whatever, like anywhere where you can process. Yeah. And, and actually another, and here's what I want to mention one more thing. And then I want to make sure we have time for one more question here. Um, and also another form of journaling that I think no one really, really talks about, but I actually did this for a while for myself when I was trying to make journaling a habit and I was struggling with the writing piece, doodling. I don't know what it is, but it's so therapeutic to me sometimes just to pick up pen and paper and just start doodling random things, whatever's in my head, start drawing random things. You know, maybe you do write a little bit of stuff here and there, but like just doodling on the paper. And it's just another way of getting your thoughts out of your head onto paper. My third grade teacher scarred me with art. She told me that I drew like a kindergartner and ever since then... I don't draw. I should like a, talk about that with my therapist. Yeah, I think you should journal about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on to the uh, next question. Um, and this is something you know, so I'll let you answer it, but I'm going to go to read it since I have it on my phone here. Um, Megan asked, I'll try to, uh, let's see, how to deal with fitness tracker anxiety. I've been an Apple Watch user for years now, and but I'm finding that I'm starting to feel a little quote unquote married to it, so to, so to speak. I work from home and I have a rather sedentary job, so I don't move a whole lot, but I work out at the gym four to five days per week. However, I feel like I'm constantly checking my steps throughout the day, and I feel like I have to spend any free time during the workday on the treadmill to get them in. I know movement is important, especially while working from home, but how do you have a healthy balance of getting movement and steps in, but also not being a bit obsessive about it? I want to feel like I can take a break during the workday and not have anxiety about if I'm not spending that time walking. 
Thank you. I'm going to get you a really good divorce lawyer, girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I think that inside of fitness, steps and 10,000 steps has become like the thing. Yep. Like you, any fitness influencer on TikTok or Instagram is like 10,000 steps a day. And I've said 10,000 steps a day too, yeah. but I think we have to understand what 10,000 steps a day or what steps mean in general. So when we think of, of steps and you're constantly checking that you're trying to hit a specific number, whether it's 10 K or not, um, if you're hitting 10 K steps at home, I'm impressed. That is a lot. Um, I work from home and my steps today and I trained in person to clients is 5,800 and I pace when I train. So, um, I think that we have to first understand why we utilize steps and steps is a way that we can conceptualize what our daily activity is. So it's a way to conceptualize movement and activity level because that plays a really big part into, um, your total daily energy expenditure. So, I think if you are someone who is constantly looking like, oh my gosh, I, if I don't hit my steps, something bad's going to happen. The world's going to end. Like, stop looking at it. Mm-hmm. I, I think a better way to go about it is let's set a minimum walk goal in time instead of, because that's, it's essentially the same thing. If you are doing relatively the same thing every day, but you add in a minimum 20 minute walk every single day, Mm -hmm. well then no matter what, even if you break that up and it's five minutes here and there and you get 20 minutes throughout the day, you know, you're getting more movement than you would normally. So you have more total daily energy expenditure and you can always walk more than 20 minutes if you want to, but I think it's a good minimum goal because I think overstressing about it is just continuing that sympathetic state and and never letting you get into that, that parasympathetic state that like rest and digest. We're just hypersensitive to stress. And once we become hypersensitive to stress and like our response to stress just starts to go down and like, that's not a positive thing either. Yeah. I, I, and I can actually relate to this a lot not necessarily to the step piece, but like, but the fitness tracker itself, I used to be someone who I, I would track every single like lifting workout that I did. Um, and then when I started powerlifting, you know, obviously, you know, we're using wrist straps for two out of the three lifts. And so there's so many times I had to take my watch off and I used to like throw it right back on after I finished that, you know, whatever, if it's on squats or bench and I put the tracker right back on, turn my activity back on and tracking my workout and my strength training session. And it was starting to definitely become obsessive. I was just like, oh, I gotta track this, gotta track this. But I was like, one, it's not accurate, like, you know, as far as like calorie burn and things like that. But then- I, I do want, I want to hit on that and, yeah. and make it a more point. Yes. Um, the fitness trackers, other than tracking steps, are very, very inaccurate. Even the calorie burn on like um, a machine at the gym is very wrong. Yeah. We are way overestimate our calories burned during exercise that is maybe 10 percent of our total daily energy expenditure it really doesn't make up that much of a difference yeah exactly and so um you know i i, I just started to just not wear it honestly like, every time i work out now i just take i've it lost my watch like three times because i just throw it when we get to the gym <laughs> yeah so i just i just uh, completely get rid of mine now and put it right in my bag when as soon as we get to the gym and don't even wear it now um and, he, and even like you know I, I think just about anybody could probably say like, I mean, I, I know you and I, like there's days when you, at the end of the day, you know, whether or not you were, I hate to say lazy, but like, you, you know, whether or not you got activity or not. Like if you were sitting around and on the couch all day or at your dong, okay. but if you're being pretty active and up moving around, 
All right, we lost a little connection there for a second. Um, as we were saying, um, you, you know a pretty good amount, like if, if you had a lazy day or if you were actually a pretty productive day. So I would focus a little bit less on, like, ask yourself, I think this is definitely like almost like a mindset thing as well. Like, like if, if you are stressing so much over the steps, it's like, what are those steps meaning to you? Like, wh- why do you feel like you have to walk all that time and you can't have that rest time? You know, like, I think that's something that, a lot of people, you know, obsess over it. I mean, I know how many people like, you know, it was funny, one of my clients the other day, um, <laughs> she might be listening right now. Um, so I'm just picking on you a little bit, but she uh, posted on her Instagram. She was like, got on the treadmill and forgot my watch for the mor- when she got up in the morning. She's like, do these steps even count now? <laughs> and like, you know, it's it's the running joke for everybody. Um, the answer no. <laughs> so like, you know, like just like realize like, you know best. You well, know, I think that's where like the conversation of like, why are we tracking steps? Like, what does that even mean? And I think once you have a a deeper understanding to like, okay, what are the steps actually quantifying for us? And they're quantifying yep. our total daily energy expenditure. So like, that's just an easy way to like understand where we're at because that's going to show us what our maintenance calories are. So like what a surplus is or what a deficit is for us. Um, so I think if you were able to just set like a minimum walk goal or like even just, it doesn't even have to be a minimum. Just like, well, I'm going to walk 30 minutes every day. And if you need more steps, if you, for whatever reason you start gaining or you're not, you want to add more steps in because you want to keep calories higher while you're in a deficit, be like, okay, well, I'm gonna take that 30 minute walk to a 40 minute walk. Um, so I think just like not necessarily thinking about the number quite as much, cause then you can just break that up throughout the day. Um, but 10,000 steps, any number of steps isn't magic. Yeah. And I'll say if, if it's bothering you that much, I would almost challenge you to what would happen if we just didn't wear a watch for like a week, you know, right? Or, or you know, maybe if you wear your watch but, or, or if I understand if you were someone who likes to say you no know, all the time, all the time with your watch. But like, what if you just didn't wear your watch or what if you like switched it out for just like a regular watch rather than one that tracks steps? Like what would happen for the, that week? You know, I think it's just something to kind of like just prove to yourself like you can do this naturally without always focusing so much on the steps. And I think it's the same way as like when we look at the scale or we look at tracking or tracking steps. Like they're all tools that we're using at our disposal to create a healthier lifestyle. But each and every one of them can have their downfalls, can become obsessive, can be negative. But I think we just have to reframe why we're doing them and reframe um, our thoughts around them. And they can become positive things on our fitness journey, um, on the creating healthier habits and and losing fat or or whatever your goal is. So I think we just have to kind of reframe those things. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. I think that's, you know, I think we've pretty much hit all those. Um, We've hit our 30 minute mark. So um, anything else you want to add? No, I think, I think this is a really good episode. I think we covered a lot of really good things. Um, if you guys do have questions on any of this stuff that we talk about in any of these episodes, any of the Coaches Roundtable um, episodes, feel free to send either one of us a message. Um, we'll probably talk about it anyways. So uh, feel free to send us a message and ask us a question to clarify something or to like, hey, how do I apply this to me? Or the, for the person who asked about the inner work stuff, send us a message. Let us know what you're struggling with. Yeah. Maybe we can give you a little bit more detailed explanation rather than like a, it depends. I was going to say, any, anytime we say it depends, if if you don't like that answer, that just means, hey, we need a little more information and we're more than happy to help you out a little, help you out more with that once we know some actual like details that, you know, a lot of, a lot of times we can't answer a lot of these questions in detail. Yeah. So, and, and I think, when you ask the questions, keep in mind, like if you don't give us some good detail and you can keep it anonymous if you want to, but yes. if you don't give us some good detail, 
we're probably going to say it depends and then give you an explanation. But the more detail you give us, the more in-depth explanation we can give that's going to apply directly to you. Yep. Well said. All right, guys. And as always, the link to ask those questions is down in the show notes or you can just send us a message and we'll throw it on the show. But And we'll, we'll both post it before our next episode. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you guys later. See you guys. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Shades and Health podcast. I greatly appreciate you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can help me by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps me become more visible to others. Also, share this episode with friends or family and take a screenshot of the episode and upload it to your stories. Be sure to tag me and my guests so we can be sure to say thank you. If you ever have any questions or feedback about something covered on the show, you're always welcome to send me a message. You can find me on Instagram at changing underscore chase. Have a great day, guys. And remember, you matter.